keep you safe. Say it loud and clear. Amen. Now we're going to take three prayer points. Quick, quick. Three prayer points. And we're turning to Isaiah chapter 30. Please, if you have your Bibles there, or if it is going to be projected, Isaiah chapter 30, only one verse. Verse 19. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 19. I want you to journey with me as we pray. And when we are praying, make sure you pray. Alright? Make sure you speak. There is power. Formative power, creative power in the spoken word. So when we are praying, make sure you utter something. Make sure you speak. For the people shall dwell verse 19 of Isaiah 30 at Jerusalem thou shall weep no more wow that amen is too shallow somebody say louder amen to that prayer say to yourself I shall weep no more throughout the month of September and beyond I shall have no reason to weep only the men are speaking say to yourself say father in the name of Jesus throughout the month of September and beyond I shall have no reason to weep I shall have no reason to mourn in my family we shall have no reason to weep in this church we shall have no reason to weep according to your word I wanted to say that one clear according to your word because the Bible says thus saith the Lord thus saith the Lord according to your word so you repeat for the last time. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, according to your word, I shall have no reason to weep or mourn this month and beyond. In my family, in this church, we shall have no reason to weep or mourn in the name of Jesus. Come and declare it in one minute. Declare it like that. In one minute. Declare it. Speak, speak, speak. The Lord wants to hear your voice. Come and speak. We shall have no reason to weep. The Bible says, Thou shall weep no more. <laughs> Ember months are not for weepings. They are not for disaster. I want you to pray, Lord, we shall weep no more. According to your word. Be it unto us according to your word. Be it unto us according to your word. In the name of Jesus. We shall weep no more. No reason to weep. There shall be no loss of life, no loss of property. There shall be no bad news in the name of Jesus. From wherever your children are, your relatives are, there shall be no bad news in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for praying. Number two, still in that same verse. He will be gracious unto thee at the voice of at the voice of thy cry. Or I said, the Lord will be gracious unto me. The Lord will be merciful unto me. This month I shall obtain mercy. This month grace will show up. Now, you see, listen. There comes a time in, one, in a man's life, in a woman's life, that you get weary, tired, worried, confused. You do not know what next to do. At that time, grace shows up. And I want you to pray for yourself 
that at every stage of your life this month, wherever you go, grace will show forth. Mercy will show up. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lift your right hand to the Lord and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, this month and beyond, grace will show up. Mercy will show forth. Grace will show up on my path. Mercy will show up on my path in the name of Jesus. Thus say have the Lord. Now begin to declare it in the name of Jesus. Declare it. Grace will show up. Mercy will show up on my path this month. Beyond this month in the name of Jesus. Grace everywhere. Grace will show up. Mercy will show up. Grace will show up. Mercy will show up. All that a man needs is, a, is, a, is an embodiment of grace and mercy. I wanted to pray. Grace will show up. Everywhere I go, grace will show up. Mercy will show up. In the name of Jesus. Grace. Mercy. The whole world we know that of obtained mercy. Grace. In the name of Jesus. Grace will show up. Mercy will show up. In the name of Jesus. This month I shall not be stranded. In the name of Jesus. Wherever I go, wherever I find myself, mercy will show up. Grace will speak for me. And the voice of my cry, grace will show up. Mercy will show up. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Number three, which is the last one here. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. Say amen. amen. This month, for some of us, it is answer time. It's the time for God to answer and to bring to remembrance all the prayers, your yearnings and aspirations over the year in the marriage, everybody prays that in the ninth month we are coming to, to celebrate the arrival of your child. The ninth month is synonymous to the month of delivery. Your miracles will be delivered to your hands. Your expectations will be delivered to your hands. Straight forth to two hands to the altar as if you are carrying something. I say your miracles will be delivered to your hands. I do not know what of a miracle is it you have been trusting the Lord for. These three days of word and prayer ministration in this church, your miracles will be delivered into your hands. It could be a miracle of job, it could be that of a contract, it could be that of good earth, it could be that of childbirth, it could be conception, it could be a visa, it could be anything. God knows it all. Men are limited in understanding. But I pray for you and I pray for every one of us here. This month, you take delivery of your miracles. You take delivery of your miracles. For several months and over the years, you have been waiting in expectation. This is your answer month. In the mighty name of Jesus. According to the word of the Lord, this is your answered month. This is a month when you're going to take deliveries of your miracles. In the mighty name of Jesus. All the blessings that have been hanging in the space by the operation of the paths of darkness. Today, we decree and declare that you are taking delivery of those miracles. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Prince of Persia without the miracle and the answers of Daniel for, for some days. But when the Lord spoke from heaven... Those agents of darkness had no choice than to release the miracle. 
whatever force of darkness that is withholding your miracle, I decree by the word of the Lord today, begin to take the delivery of that. In the name of Jesus. Let all those people, evil powers give way. In the mighty name of Jesus. Say the loudest, Amen. Say the loud and clear, Amen. Whatever is it you're trusting God for, you are taking delivery of them this month. And this month you will stand on this altar to give testimonies. In the name of Jesus. If you believe it, say loud and clear, Amen. Put us together and celebrate Jesus. Please take your seats. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me assure you that. Because this revival is taking place the first three days of a new month. So we're going to be doing some sort of praying. We'll share the word of God briefly, then we'll pray. And especially the topic of the sermon depicts that we should pray. God said, and it was so. As a mark of honor, I want to appreciate our Father in the Lord, man of God and his wife. Like he told us, we have been together for many years, almost 27 years ago. And I have come to know the two of them for several things. But two things are outstanding. That is truth and integrity. Wherever you find this man of God and the wife, if you're not ready to take the truth the way it is, he doesn't know how to say the truth by half. Truth is truth. And that's stood him out among us over the years together with the wife. So each time I think about them, they have a culture of truth. And in human reasoning, truth and integrity are like CMS twins. They go together. And that is what I've kept them going. We celebrate the grace of God upon Reverend Doctor and Mrs. Akin Akin Sunday. Please help me appreciate the man of God very, 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 very well. Let me appreciate you. Thank you so very much, Baba. Thank you for being who you have been over the years. That pressure and pleasure have not changed you. You've had a combination of both. And thank God that you are still who you have been. May the Lord continue to sustain you, sir. May the Lord continue to bless your ministry. Church, I ask that the Lord God will cause you to enjoy the ministries and the grace of God upon this couple. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the privilege to be part of this service. I appreciate it, sir. And I want to greet all our fathers and mothers in the church. The members of the EC of the church. The diaconate, all the workers of the church, including the children and everyone who is a member of New Glory Baptist Church. Thank you so very much. I appreciate the choir for the wonderful rendition. Shall we please appreciate the choir this morning? Thank you, choir. That was wonderful. The Lord will continue to move this church forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right right into the word of God we're going to read two passages together Genesis chapter 1 
after that we're going to first chronicles and we reach about five verses right now we read genesis chapter one verse nine genesis chapter one verse nine and god said let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear and it was so and it was so now I go to reach first Kings chapter 13 first Kings chapter 13 I like to read verses 1 2 3 4 and 5 first Kings 13 verses 1 to 5 right and behold there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee. And men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altars shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass, when King Jeroboam had the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent, and the hashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. One meeting like this, like what we're having today, is enough to turn the life of a man around. As a matter of fact, one meeting is too long. One sermon is enough to change the life of a man. I also believe that one sermon is too long. One sentence from the mouth of God is enough to transform the life of a man. Or maybe ultimately I should say one word. From the mouth of God like the choir sang is enough to turn the life and the destiny of a man around. The world was founded upon the word of God. Everything created by God was spoken into existence apart from human beings that God decided to create in his image. But every other thing apart from you, apart from me, God spoke every other thing into existence. Let there be light and there was light. Let there be moon and there was moon. Let there be waters. Let the waters be separated from the lounge. And everything was so according to the words of the Creator. Now, 
that shows the integrity of the word of God. The word of God is infallible. When God says it, he means it. He says what it means and he means what he says. So whatever I see that the Lord says, he stands by it. He is always ready to set seed to his word. To see that the word is performed. The word is actualized. He does not speak to impress. He speaks when he's ready to do what he says. And so we find in the scriptures so many, many does say it the Lord. Does say it the Lord. And so whatever word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, he wants to see it happen. Therefore, I pray for you, for myself, that every wonderful thing God has said about you will come to pass. The ones he has said in his word about you, the one he has said to you mouth to mouth, in your dream, in your revelation, in your meditation, will come to pass in the name of Jesus Christ. Now I ask myself, what is it that the man of God wants us to study about this? God said it, and it was so. And the Spirit of God opened my eyes to see something. In between God said it, and it was so, there is this small gap. Now, that small space is the gap in between thus saith the Lord and it comes to pass. And in between thus saith the Lord and it comes to pass, there are rules for humanity to play. So that is what we shall be exploring. God is not a weakling. We will say something and we will not want to see it happen. But most of the times when the words of God are not actualized, it, you have to trace the error to man. What is your place? What is my place? What are my obligations to see that everything God has said about me or concerning me comes to pass? That is what we begin to study. The word of God is potent and powerful, quick and sharp. But if you look into the scriptures, God said certain things to certain people, but he expected actions from them for the words to be actualized. Many people keep on saying, Lord, but you said this long ago, it has not happened. Find out from me. Find out. Have you been able to pay the price? Or have you been able to do your own part? In the fulfillment of the word of God, there is a part for the divinity and a part for humanity. It is the part of humanity we want to start exploring. Because the only part of the divinity is to say it. Alright? And to supply grace for fulfillment. But we have roles we must play. In Jeremiah chapter 11, chapter 29 verse 11, God says, I know the thoughts I think towards you that are good and to give you a future and a hope and all of that. And in the next verse, God actualized, God added something said, but you will call upon me and seek my face. When we reach the word of God, we don't just claim the promise. 
will look at what is it that I'm supposed to do, my own part to play to make this happen. That is where most times we miss it. Very many times we like to keep our fingers crossed and see the word of God come to pass automatically. In some situations, the fulfillment demands actions from us. Now, we are seeing an example of one in First Kings chapter 13 today. You understand the story. How God sent a man, a prophet from Judah to go and prophesy against the idolatry altar of Jeroboam in Bethlehem. And when he got there, he delivered this, thus saith the Lord. And the signs that God gave him, he also delivered the signs. And the signs began to manifest that same day. But you see, the fulfillment of the prophecy, the real prophecy, was still angry. And it was hanging like that for a period of time. Until, you know, the, the, the revelation, the prophecy was so specific in that the name of the son that was going to carry it out was declared. So, the prophecy for some years were waiting for manifestation. Now, when after many years Josiah was born, he discovered the prophecy. And I'd like for us to study a few things that he did to actualize the prophecy. Yes, it took time. In biblical it is exactly this prophecy God gave came to pass exactly 300 years later. 300 years. That was when Josiah was born and he began the reformation according to the word of God. The word may tarry. It will not prove false. It may take time. God spoke about Cyrus. Oh Cyrus, we are going to do this, we are going to do that. He gave that prophecy. That prophecy took close to a hundred years. About 98 years before it came to pass. When God speaks... You know, in Genesis chapter, I think Genesis 15 from verse 13 thereabout, or 13, 15, God told Abraham, he said, behold, your children will be strangers in a particular land. They will be afflicted for 400 years. And after 400 years, I will deliver them. And I will punish the nation that subjects them to slavery. That was a promise that took Several years to come to I me mean, to actualize. Yet, at the ripe of time, it was actualized. If there is any promise of God we are holding on to that you are believing, I prophesy over your life today that by the mercy of the Lord, you will see the performance. I say, you will live to see the performance in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Now, what step did Josiah take to actualize and activate? the prophecy that it was meant to accomplish. Please let us, show, let us study 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. And there we are going to find a few lessons. But for today, for this morning, I am going to talk about just one of them. Maybe. 2 
because of our time, then we'll continue when we come back in the evening. Second Chronicles chapter chapter thirty four. Alright. Now, first one, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. That's thirty one years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right and nor to the left. Now let's speak this one after the other. For the word of God, for thus saith the Lord, to become it comes to pass, the first thing that Josiah did here, even though a very, very young boy, at eight, the first thing he did was to walk upright in the sight of the Lord. So the first thing he managed to do to actualize God's promise over his life, the first thing that matters, it is the factor of God himself. God's factor. God's factor is the ultimate factor. In the fulfillment of God's plans and agenda for our lives, the factor of God is the ultimate factor. Because outside of God, we can achieve but nothing. God is our source. God is the Father. God owns the race and and determines the pace. When people begin to do all manner of struggles today, outside of God, I ask them, how far can you go in life? With all your skills, with all your capacity, intellectual capacity, material capacity, whatever capacity, with all your connections, outside of God, what can a man achieve? That is one thing some people are failed to identify, to recognize. The place of God. The first thing this young boy did was to develop an intimate relationship with God. If there is anything God is expecting to you, is to find the embers of your relationship with God. To develop intimate relationship with God. Too many things are sounding in between us and our Creator. Too many mundane things. Too many things that we shouldn't give up. Too many things that do not have eternal value. Too many things that will perish in this world. Alright? Yes, everybody is supposed to work. Yes, everybody is supposed to do this and do that. But we must recognize that we are living to serve God. And when every other thing might have ended, the only thing that will determine the eternal place of a man is his relationship with God. But if you allow anything to stand in between you and your God, too bad. Because whether Ilban likes it or not, we will go back to this God one day. It's my prayer for you. That whatsoever will stand in between you and your God, that the Lord God of heaven and earth will have mercy upon you to deal with it. He will give you grace to deal with it. In the wonderful name of Jesus. That is where it begins. Yes, God has plans for you. Yes, God has a future for you. You have seen it in your dreams many times. They have told you many times. You also have a desire to see those things come to pass. 
But one factor that is the ultimate factor is the factor of God. It's tracing your step back to God and forming a very strong relationship with God. Alright? It is good to have as many friends as possible. But let me be sincere with you. The one that stays closer than any other friend at all is God. So God's factor is the ultimate factor. With Jesus in your life, it may only, it may only take a little time. God's vision and purpose for your life will come to pass. Even if the whole world says they are not supporting you. With Jesus in your life, you have all that you need. Am I right? You are not talking to me? Am I really right? Jesus means the whole, more than the whole world to you. With Jesus in your life, destiny is secure. Future is certain. There will be challenges. I have not come to tell you that when you are born again, you no longer fight battles. You no longer have challenges. That is going to be a lie. You are going to have challenges. But in the midst of your challenges, Jesus is standing by. Circumstances may work against you. But you see, Jesus knows how to do it. When I was in secondary school, in GSS 2, GSS 2, we were speaking, I was, to represent, I was to speak at a debate representing my class. And it was a balloon debate. We had a big topic right there. So I picked a topic and I started speaking. And it was what I wanted to do in the future. And I said, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And everybody said, ah, ah. Because in the, in the class, some will call me doctor, some will call me this and that, but I didn't see any of those things. So when I finished speaking, some of my friends said, even as a young boy, said, why did you talk like that? I said, I used to have a dream. Each time I see people queue before me, and I'm paying them. And I'm paying them, and they're thanking me. I said, so I don't know what that means. Then I was the born again. When I gave my life to Jesus, it persisted. I was always seeing people around saying thank you, saying this, saying this, saying that. At another time, I would see people gather and I start preaching the gospel to them. The whites, the black, whatever people. And I was, I was always telling people, one day, I think this thing will come to pass. But I explained to my parents. My father called me in the middle of the night and I said I wanted to go in and study medicine. I said, Father, please pray for me. I won't study medicine. Because I've been having this dream since I was a child. And the dream has persisted. So let me walk in the direction of my dreams and desire. When I began to mention Jesus and God, my daddy said, what are you talking about? What do you know about God? What do you know about Jesus? My dad was an Anglican catechist, but he was never born again for one day. He was going to drink himself to stupor. My dad had grace to drink several cartons of beer and he would still ride his bicycle. You wouldn't know the man had taken close to two cartons of beer. And yet he would preach on Sunday. He would not drink on Sunday. I have, I'd never caught him drink on Sunday once. But every other day, shy. No. So when I tell that, he said, have you become one of these SU things? I said, daddy, I gave my life to Jesus. And that same night, he drove me out of the house. Around 1 a.m., and he said, I disowned you. None of my sons will ever have anything to do with all this as you think. People came around, they begged. 
family came around the bed. He said they never wanted to see my face again and all of that. And my mommy, instead of coming around to say, please now, my mommy started hauling curses. You brought me shame. Who's, why, why did you join? You know those times, they didn't understand this born again thing. So I found myself out of the house struggling to survive. Doing all manners of minor jobs. Working, cleaning for people, selling water. That, that was not the time for pure water. We call such water now. No. All this Omin did it. Ice water. And I was working it in motor parks and all the rest of them because I wanted to hold on to my God because he told me, choose between fellowship or me. He didn't understand what he was doing that time. I cried, I begged, I did everything. So I was like that, like an outcast. But that situation didn't take Jesus out of me and didn't take me out of Jesus. For what shall separate us? Who shall separate us from the love of God? So I had to the challenges. It was terrible. That's why I keep on telling students and youths today, hey, my father didn't do this. That is not an excuse. You take your destiny in your hand. What do we say about children whose father and mother died when they were still two years should that be the end of their destiny? No, I don't believe it. I believe if you are strong in the word of God and you are ready to pay the price, the words will still come to pass. Even though I didn't understand the dream, but I knew it was something special. And I decided to be doing like that. All the schools I ever attended, whatever certificate I ever got in my life, I, worked, I was working and I was schooling. I was working... I didn't have a privilege of someone send me to school, pay anything from jam to whatever. But the dream was living on the inside of me. But I had on to Jesus. There was no father around. One of my uncles came from Kano. I loved him so much. I went to him. I did everything. I went to show him my admission letter. I said, I got an admission. I was even thinking which one to choose. One in Federal Polytechnic, another one in Federal University in Ilori. And I said, Uncle, you have so much money, you can help me. Please, just even for one year, and I will continue from there. He looked at me and said, I was told that your father has placed a curse on you. You see, curse on a child of God is a mere opinion. Is a what? It's a mere opinion, except you are guilty. My father didn't know what he was doing that time. I didn't make an enemy out of him. Do you know what? While I was working, they were paying me 100 naira in a month, and I was going to trek several kilometers carrying water and ice block. I will still take out of the 100 naira. I will buy little, little things for my parents. My dad like Orepta. There's, they used to call one tonic or reptile tonic. I will buy that or reptile, send it to him. I'm not just looking for his people. I was doing that because Bible tells me to respect and honor my parents. Whatever I see they have done, they remain my parents. That cannot be changed. But it was not my parents that was against me. It was the devil who wanted to stop the vision from coming to pass. But I refused to be, to, to be distracted. The grace came. Ladies and gentlemen, gradually I found that the words were coming to pass. The call came, the work began, and after some years, I felt in 2004 God was laying it on my heart to start a private school business, and it was like it was not going to thrive. Gradually, 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 we started with 13 pupils. Each time I sit down, I used to remember the dream, I used to remember the vision. 
Look, when God speaks, He wants to stand by it. But here in Yambati, yes, He did it for the house of Eli. In Genesis, in, in um, 1 Samuel chapter 2, from verse 27, He said, Yes, I promised that your family will remain in the order of priesthood forever. But I have changed it. Because you refuse to honor me. Because it is he who honors me that I will honor. So, since that day, Tabatin Koni, he was a la wi ma ye un erumambami. Toditin yomba yese, he told that family, I withdraw it. Because you didn't honor me. But the family of the Rechabites in Jeremiah 35, they stood. God permitted temptations to come their way. They said, no. We stand by what the Lord has told us as an instruction. And God said, see what the family of Rechab has done. Because you have honored me, you will forever remain in this covenant. And gradually it started coming to pass in the aspect of the ministry. And gradually from 13 pupils to 30, to 40, to 100, to 200, to 500, to 700, to 1,000, to 1,000 plus. And each time I see people today that are stranded, say, please, can you help us get to work? Can we work with you? Can we do this? I used to remember some of those dreams. Now, my parents and I, we are fully back. They don't have a choice. They have to look for me. They say, hey, what we said that time, we know why take it serious. Why did you take it that serious? You know that kind of a thing. And now we became very, very close. Because I decided to stand on the part of God. Challenges will be there, challenges will be here. If you stand with God, and someone is now saying in that company, they will bring you down with God in your life. Say no way. Everybody say, say no way. It's not possible. They cannot determine anything. They can shake you, but they cannot uproot you. When God upholds a man, nobody can uproot him. Do you believe that? That is the power of the spoken word. He has said it. He will not swallow his words. But if you live outside of God, you are not covered. No immunity. Therefore, I ask you this morning before we pray. What are those things that are standing between you and God? What are the things you cherish so much that you think less about God and your work with God? The exuberances of the world, worldliness have so much entangled some of us that each time we forget. Even when you attend burial, you forget that one day you'll be buried. Each time, each day, we must recognize this fact. That was the first thing Josiah did he sought God. His father, Hammon, didn't seek God. So he died two years after his installation as a king. So he learned from the error of his father. His grandfather, Manasseh, didn't seek God. So he died a miserable death on the throne. But this one discovered the God of his father, David. And he sought God. And that made a whole lot of difference. He rose early and he lasted 31 years and he fulfilled everything God said about him 300 years ago. God's factor. The ultimate factor. Rest on your feet as we pray together.
You see, these three days, God has laid it on the hearts of his servants that we shall come together to seek the face of God. We have just started a study from this passage. We will continue when we come in the evening. In the evening, we will see two other factors that will help a man actualize what God has said about him. You are not just existing. God created you for a purpose. Nobody is a product of mass lobby. God specifically had crafted you to fit into a particular purpose. He didn't create you for destruction. He created you for a purpose. But a man can only fulfill God's plan and purpose if he chooses to align with God. Ladies and gentlemen, God's factor is the ultimate factor. In one of in a church of one of my friends in Abuja, something happened to a, to someone in the church. I think about four five years ago, but he told me the story about two years ago. That man, that church member, by all indices, was the richest in that church. Very, very rich a man. God gave him so much wealth, but he didn't know the purpose the wealth was meant to serve. That's the problem with people who do not have a thought for God. It's all about club. It's all about him with, with a women. It's all about pattern. But they think less about God, the owner of the life and the owner of the wealth. They cannot tell people, look, some Muslim people will not put any meeting during the time they want to go to their mosque. It does not matter how much you want to give to them. I was in First Baptist Church, Mina, a couple of times, I mean, years ago, and I felt I needed to get Tom Tom. So while the service was on, I just told the pastor I'm coming. So I walked outside. And I wanted to buy Tom Tom. And I stood in one of the shops. Unfortunately for me, it was when the man wanted to get, go on his knees to do his prayer. He didn't even look back. Okay, let me help myself to this. He didn't even look back. I was opening, I was opening, and I found Tom Tom. So I picked two Tom Tom and I put 15 naira there. I said, I will come back later. He didn't even look back. He was doing his thing. I was going, I was looking back. He didn't even look at me. Yet he knew I entered. My God. Even you, when you are praying, you pick calls. Relevant or, or irrelevant God. That is how you place your God. You have a prayer. You have an appointment with God. And somebody says, yes, my woman friend is doing a birthday party. Let's go throw a, a bash. You go. Because as far as God, you are concerned, God is not a priority. It's an option. It's an option for you. You only have time to come to church to serve God. Serving God to you is a hobby. You do it at your leisure. Shout all the shout you want to shout. Make all the announcements. If the guy will not come, he will not come. Do whatever you want to do. God is not a priority for him. My business, my business, my business. My... Who are you? Whose business are you talking about? He's a, he's a man that is alive that does business. Alright? And whether you do this or you do that one day, we will all return to God. 
this rich man in the, my friend's church didn't want to know anything about that. He'll come to church whenever he wants to come to church. 30 minutes was out. And the sad times when he comes to church, he will be on the news, googling, doing all this kind of a thing. So rich and comfortable. He was struck with a sickness. They spent a lot of money. And my friend said, you know, he spoke with two other pastors. They went to pray that, Lord, this is my church member. Save him. Save him. He said he got a reply that shocked him. God said, I will answer your prayer on one condition. Go back to the church. Get for me three people whose lives this man has impacted. And because of those three, I will spare him. Go to his family house. Get only three people. Go to his place of work. Get only three people. All together making nine. Even if out of nine you get only three. I will spare him. And the pastor said, Yes, Ali. Even when he mentioned his name in the church, people only know him by the types of cars he brings to church. In the office, when the pastor got there, he said, it's not his. I mean, that's, that's, maybe you know him now. All of you know him. Uh, he's really sick. That's why he's not. And he said, So is this their life? The pastor said he went, he came back disappointed. Not a single person around the family, not a single person in the church, not a single widow, not a single orphan, not a single nothing. Alright? Not a single person at first office say, ah, oh he said, he said, God. I couldn't find anybody. God said two. I too have searched. I couldn't find anybody. Praying, begging me to keep him alive. To continue. When Dorcas died, what happened? People gathered around him. They were crying. God, you took a wrong person. You took this woman at the wrong time. What is going to happen to all the widows taking care of? The good people. Bible says they were bringing clothes that Dorcas sued for them and all of that. And God, God had no choice. Than to say, Dorcas, you cannot come home now. Go back and continue your good work. Is there anything like that God can trace to you? Whatever you do for God, it is either accidental or it falls on the time when you have leisure. God is a priority. And God's factor is the ultimate factor. He is the one who gives the promise, who gives the word. If you think you can achieve it outside of God, you lie. It is all about God. Close your eyes. This church is to wake us, is to wake us up. Very many of us, our commitment to God must be doubled. Very many of us, we do not have passion for God, His word, and His work. Even the family altar in the morning, the children or your wife will have to beg you before you come out. You open your day on Facebook, with Facebook. Nothing about God crosses your heart easily. Your dedication to God is so shallow. And yet, there is a great promise that is hanging over your life. If God opens your eyes to see what He wants to do in your life, to do through your life, you will be amazed to see what God has planned with your life and for your life. But John chapter 15, Jesus Christ said, outside of God, you can do but nothing. I wanted to go to the Lord and say, Lord, this morning I renew my 
commitment to you. I know I have not loved you enough. How will I say I love the Lord and I do not read his word? Don't you know how, to, how you read text messages from your lovers? You read them over and over again and nobody must delete them. Because it's coming from someone you love. How do you treat the word of God? How can a man convince me that you love the Lord when in seven days of the week you do not have time, two, three, four times you sit down to read the Bible until you get to church again. Ah! That is no relationship. That is no relationship. I want you to pray, Lord, revive your zeal in me. Revive your zeal in me. I hope some of us have started praying already because I have no other prayer point. All the prayer points I have, we have dealt with it before we started preaching. Lord, revive your zeal in me. Spiritually, I'm becoming cold. I'm becoming so, so cold. My prayer, about prayer, about the word of God, I'm becoming, I have become a Sunday, Sunday person. No time to personally study the word of God. No time to pray together as a family. No time to pray personally to seek your face. Lord, have mercy upon me. I renew my dedication to you. I renew my commitment to you. Look at that man. Nobody. I renew my service. I renew my dedication to you. Lord, I want to serve you anew. I don't want to continue the way I am. In the past, you used to be committed. But many, many things have cropped in now. Maybe challenges or prosperity. Maybe wealth or stress. I don't know what has come in between you and your dedication to God. Lord, I am ready to make you a priority. I hope somebody is praying that prayer. You have four minutes more to pray that prayer. Because I didn't tell you to start shout on witches and witchcraft. You know, pray. I want you to pray with the whole of your heart. Lord, I am ready. What is it that is standing between you and your dedication to God? This is the wake up call. Jesus will soon come. This word is going to an end. And I want you to pray, oh God, help me to be more committed to you. To be more dedicated to you. For the word of God to be actualized, you need an intimate fellowship with God. Oh Lord, help me. Oh Lord, help me to seek you. Oh Lord, help me to love you. Oh Lord, help me to serve you. In the mighty name of Jesus. How somebody is praying 30 seconds more. Lord, help me to serve you. Lord, help me to love you. In the name of Jesus. If you love the Lord, you'll be committed to his work. If you love the Lord, you'll be committed to his word. If you love the Lord, you will work according to his counsel. Ladies and gentlemen, pray. Lord, give me grace. I want to serve you. Young ladies, pray. You have several hours to chat, but not 30 minutes to read the Bible and pray per day. What kind of Christian are you becoming? What kind of Christian? Is it, is it that work that is standing between you and God? Is it that your boyfriend that is standing between you and God? Whatever is it that is standing between you and God is ephemeral. It's, it's ephemeral. I want you to deal with it. Oh God, help me. Revive your zeal in me. Somebody pray. Revive your zeal in me. Like the hymn we did the other time. Revive us, O oh God. Revive us again. Lord, revive your zeal in me. In the name of Jesus, revive your zeal in me. Revive your zeal in me. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Please close our eyes and say louder, Amen. In Jesus' name, we pray. I want to pray with a set of people this morning. By the grace of God. God has great plans for you. There are many promises of God you are waiting for. You are also trusting God to fulfill some of his promises in your life. God is ready to fulfill it. 
Each time you remind God, Lord, you, your word says this and that. I will lend to many nations. I shall not borrow. Lord, when will it be fulfilled in my life? Young lions do lack in whatever I do. But those who shall wait upon the Lord shall not lack any good thing. When will it happen in my life? You have to pay the price. And the first price is to develop intimate relationship with the speaker of the word, the owner of the word, the giver of the vision. And you are here saying this morning, you are saying, Pastor, please pray with me. I don't know what has come over me. In the past, I used to have time to read my Bible at least once a day, even if it's going to be half of a chapter. But now, I seem not to have time for it again. You see, why this is Lagos? Lagos is a busy place. Unfortunately for you, Sasamas, there is no Bible. The, 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 the Bible in the hand of a Lagos person is not different from the, the one that a man from Abekuta or wherever is holding. God is no respect of persons. You know how you find time for other things that mean so much to you? Your friends, your club, your businesses. But the Lord saying, you have stayed too far from me. I want, and you are saying, Pastor, please pray for me. I need grace. I need revival. My spiritual prayer life is down. My reach, reading the scripture for me is no longer flowing. I do all of this only when we come back to church. Since I started creeping into my life, I need God to rescue me. If you are saying that, whatever you are standing, why don't you put your right hand on your chest so that we can pray with you? You say, Lord, I need to revive in my spirit. God bless you as you do that. God bless you as you do that. Yes. God bless you. I need a revival in my spirit. It wasn't like this for me before. I need a revival in my spirit. I need to be reconciled to God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to you, Jesus. My dedication to God was not like this before. Things have suddenly become very cold for me. Very, very, very cold for me. And you are saying, Jesus, revive me this morning. You are there. You are waiting for a husband. Trusting God. You are claiming all the promises for good husband, good children, prosperity, honor. Yet, you are moving far away from the owner of the world. You are saying, Jesus, please have mercy upon me. In the past, I used to fast at least once in a week. But now, for six, seven months, except that it's a fasting program in the church, I can't even fast again. Lord, I need revival in my spirit. The spiritual controls the physical. Before we start talking about some other things in the evening, let's resolve this spiritual thing. You're saying, Jesus, it is me you are talking about this morning. My spiritual life has gone so very, very cold. I need revival. I need revival. Lord, I need revival. Now pray in 30 seconds and say, Jesus, revive me. Jesus, please revive me. Spiritually, I am down. All of us putting our hands on our, on our chest, make sure you are praying. Jesus, revive me today. Let there be revival in my bones. Revive me, God. Revive me, oh God. I mean, no one back into a revival. Eh? No one sent this message. See, I was committed to your work before, Lord, what suddenly came up? Is it stress or wealth? Is it pressure or pleasure? What is it that can stand in between me and my God? Lord, I am ready. That prodigal son said, I will now arise and go back to my father. You say, Lord, I, I, I have discovered this. This morning, please revive me again. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray.
As you put your right hand on your chest, raise your left hand to the Lord as I pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise those hands above your head. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your sons and your daughters. You spoke to us this morning that you are ready to actualize your words if we are ready to walk with you. I receive for everyone under the sound of my voice grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever is standing in between you and your God, grace to make amends this morning. Receive that grace in the mighty name of Jesus. All those things that you have lost, the zeal you have lost, the passion you have lost, the commitment, the dedication that you have lost, by the mercy of the Lord, they are coming back to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, they are coming back to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, this morning, the Lord is raising revival fire in your heart. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, you will never be weary again. In the mighty name of Jesus, receive grace, receive fire. In the name of Jesus, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. Beginning from this morning, a change has taken place in your life. A transformation is taking place in your life. A rededication is taking place in your heart. In the name of Jesus Christ. Grace to serve God like never before. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Grace to walk with God like never before. Receive it in the name of Jesus. And all the promises the Lord has made for you will surely come to pass. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, thank you for answered prayers. Blessed be your holy name, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Please put your hands together and celebrate Jesus as you take your seats. Keep those hands together, put them together, vigorously for Jesus. Hallelujah. That is a wonderful beginning. By the grace of God, we are coming together by six in this evening. Tomorrow, six thirty. But even tomorrow and Monday, I mean, and Tuesday, as many that would love to join us in praying, we will be here by 6, between 6 and 6.30, we have 30 minutes of prayer before the revival service will start by 6 o'clock. I believe that this week, the Lord will do something unique, uncommon in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Now we'll quickly go 